Life page is not there. Life page is not there. Where, where, where is it? Why would not slide? Oh, Ross. Okay, well, uh, I don't have a live thingy. Uh, you're not showing me on this either. Where can I see comments? Where can I see people? The white noise thing, sort that out. Why is that better? Shazad is working on the white noise, whatever it is. He'll fix that in a second. I hope you guys are doing well. Jazakumullah khair for uh, turning up on the Monday. Oh, killing us, Gassa. Everybody killing us for. These are the killers. In the class. Okay, Lala, just for you. <laughs> All right. All right, Asalaamu Alaikum to all everyone online as well. Good to see you guys. Inshallah, today should be a bit more inclusive of you. You know, to be honest, Masakeen, they're feeling a bit left out. <laughs> Two and a half years, they enjoy nothing but full attention. My eyes are in like this, like that, like that. Yeah, and, you know, I couldn't escape their comments. Everyone I'm responding to. Now, just the thing forgotten and gone forever. That's it. I got to see the screen once last time and they made such big absorbs they did. Shakayat. So inshallah today I've got the thing right in front of me so that they get a little bit of thingy, a bit of love. Yes? No? You can't fix it. Might be rain. Allah's like yeah, it's raining. Testing one, two, three, one, two, three.
Testing. Guys, can you hear me? Is it clear now? Is it better? Let's see whether it's... Um, Romana thinks it's okay. It's okay. Salma doesn't. Umruqaya doesn't. This is... Um, so I'm not too sure who to believe. Some saying it's okay. Some saying it got worse. And Mesa says the same. And Mesa is yani, As for Ijaz, I can't believe that Ijaz is saying that I can't hear anything and thinking whatever. Ijaz and lives literally three minutes away. <laughs> yeah? You lazy fish, get here. Yeah, that's why you can't hear. No wonder you can't flip in here. Come into the room, then you can hear. Literally three minutes. Literally three minutes away. All right. Right, okay. Um, so, you know what I thought we'd do today? Um, yeah, by the way, those who are not happy with the sound, uh, then the uh, what, what we'll do is that we will upload the, we got the Edderall uh, uh, recording, like the, the stereo thingamajig, and um, uh, then we can transpose that over or we can put it, into the thing so you can listen to it as opposed to the video which is probably better anyway all right okay all right Mace reckons it's okay now let's just move on um so what i wanted to do today we're in the section of um uh, uh so whatever it is that you've done remember what you've done yeah because yeah? you fixed it last time as well yeah so obviously brain cells were yeah were, right so what was something else? Can you note both of them? So that where's Baji going? <laughs> Ras. <laughs> Did you guys eat your sweets? <laughs> you got yeah, you got it all, all sorted, yeah. All right, let's bring me up the uh, what's it called the um, text. So the text that we're looking at. All right, the paragraph that we're going to look at, but we're going to basically focus on this one. وَلَا قِرَاءَ عَلَى مَأْمُومٍ وَيُسْحَبُ فِي إِسْرَارِ إِمَامِهِ وَإِمَامِهِ وَسُكُوتِهِ فِي إِسْرَارِ إِمَامِهِ وَسُكُوتِهِ وَإِذَا لَمْ يَسْمَعْ لِبُعْدٍ لَا لِطَرْشٍ And then maybe we might get to وَيَسْتَفْتِحُ وَيَسْتَعِيدُ فِي مَا يَجْهَرُ فِيهِ إِمَامُهُ I don't think we'll get to that. All right, so Although it is recommended to do so when the Imam is silent or whenever he pauses or if he cannot hear him because he is too far away. Unlike the case when there is a specific hearing problem for him, meaning the, the follower, right? We spoke about that last week. He also recites the istiftah, that's subhanakallahumma bihamdik, yeah? And the isti'adha, that's a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem, when the Imam recites out loud. So another interesting... Uh, statement there that's going to need explanation uh, from uh, the Hanabila, from the Hanbali school. Um, so we're, we're, we're still actually on the opening line here, right? The, the follower does not have to recite. Imam uh, Shaykh Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, he's taking the opportunity to now go full in on the issue of reciting behind the Imam, which I kind of indicated last week, you would have got a clue to it last week, it is one of the big debates in fiqh. You know, you get like some major ones, like obviously there's thousands, or in fact, tens of thousands, yeah. Accurately, tens of thousands of masail, issues in fiqh in which need to be resolved. 
But, um, and of course, there's difference on all of them. There's a difference of opinion on all, on all of them. However, it can be argued that a lot of them can be seen quite conclusively to a certain kind of opinion. There's a lot of agreement on those issues. But then there's a, maybe a few hundred, maybe, maybe a few hundred, yeah, maybe a few hundred, maybe around a hundred, uh, which are very difficult to deal with. And you just got to go with it. Ijtihad is being exerted at its best. It's more than just a simple case of this hadith is weak, your hadith is weak and my hadith is strong. No, we go past that, we got rid of the hadith issues and now we're struggling how to work out what it actually entails, what, what the meaning might be uh, uh, different, how, the, how we're understanding the meaning could be different to how another person understands it. So this issue, you got a little bit of an insight into it. Immediately you hear the statement, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I mentioned last week that you know the Hanafis, they have the, the extreme X opinion. As I call it extreme, it's not extreme at all, but, it's the, but according to the others, it's the extreme opinion because they said there's no recitation, neither in quiet prayer, neither in the loud prayer. And that's it. Even when Imam Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani, who's one of the great uh, companions of Imam Abu Hanifa and who the madhab is built upon, and he's of course huge imam. Um, there's a narration from him that the Hanafis debate because he said actually it is recommended to recite in the quiet prayers, kind of like a, a more so common sense kind of position. But absolutely banged down by the rest of the Hanafi school that this narration is weak. This was an, a, a statement that goes against his more authentic one in his other books, which is by the way a, a good argument and true. And so therefore the argument that this actually is not authentic from him has weight. So the Hanafi school is very comfortable being on this side, saying there's no recitation, there's no nothing. And we'll have a look at a few of the evidences for that in a second. The Shafi'is are on the other extreme. Again, I don't want to use the word extreme with the meaning of extreme. I just want to show opposites. Yeah, opposite is the better word. So they're on the other opposite. The other opposite is that you have to recite, not just in a quiet, which makes sense, but in the loud one as well. So even when you hear the Imam reciting, you still need to recite as well because this is an individual obligation that you are not, uh, that's not lifted from you. This is about a requirement from the prayer because the prayer is invalid without it and they have a plethora of evidence. And here's the thing, the Hanabila and the Malikiya, it can be argued and you know these things can get pretty kind of pedantic, but it can be argued that all three of, uh, 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 both of these Imams, if we're just sticking to the four Imams, they have three separate opinions that are narrated in their schools and three opinions that are often narrated from just the Imam. Now we're used to that in the Hanbali school. Imam Ahmed, uh, different narrations from him that he said this is recommended, this is allowed and this is obligatory. All three have been narrated by different students and whatever and then it's a science about which one are we going to go with, which one's going to get the, 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 the biggest clout and then be taken as a position in the madhab. If it becomes a position in the madhab, then we say it is the madhab. That's the madhab. If it's a position that is considered to be the base opinion in the school, it's al-mu'atamad, the established, well-established position. And then rarely will uh, other Hanbalis go against it. But in other times you will see it's a riwayah, there's a riwayah of Ahmad, there's a narration from Ahmad, and there's another narration from Ahmad, meaning that there is different stuff. Now, when you see that from an imam, you get an idea that, you know what, he himself is not very, yani, uh, one possible explanation is that he himself was not clear what it is. Another explanation is that he changed different opinions at each different time, right? Um, that's very well known with Imam Shafi'i, for example, in that he had al-Qadim and al-Jadid. 
<clears throat> before coming to Egypt and after he went to Egypt. He has a certain, uh, uh, if you like, set of positions before he traveled. And then after he traveled and he experienced more and got into more discussions, then he uh, changed it. Some other schools will use that against the Shafi'i. They will say to the Shafi'i scholars, they will say, well, you know what? Even your imam, he agreed with us in the old. Obviously, then he went to Egypt and it all went, you know, Pete Tong. You can't even say Pete Tong anymore. That's been ruined, you know that? For the last 20, 30 years, that's, that's what we say in, in, in London. It's all gone Pete Tong. But now the guy turned out to be a right flipping disaster, isn't it? Yeah. Full weirdo pedo all that behavior, yeah. So um, anyway, it's all gone Pete Tong. Anyway, um, so they used to they, they used to blame uh, uh, you know meaning that they will find little kind of things. So the interesting thing about the Malikiyah and the Hanabila is that it could be put forward, and some of their followers would would disagree, but it could be put forward that there are three positions from both of these imams that are exactly the same. That it is to recite is. Uh, uh, recommended that it is allowed and that it is disliked and if it was a quiet prayer for example then that it is obligatory that it is re recommended and that it is allowed you can see like it comes down a bit so in the in the loud one neither Malik or Ahmed would dare say it's obligatory right like wh like what Sheikh Uthameen is arguing none of the Hanabila as an established position or the Maliki, as far as I know, have ever said it's obligatory to recite when the loud prayer is, is when the Imam is actually reciting and you can hear him, right? Um, but they did go that far as to say that in a quiet prayer, yeah, we support the idea of reciting, obligatory, or it is recommended, or it is allowed. And of course, that's what we're just covering right now. That's actually the humbly position is what we're reciting, what we're doing right now. It says the follower does not have to recite. That's the actual official humbly position. Does not have to recite, meaning it is permissible. Then it becomes boosted up to recommended, although it is recommended to do so when the imam is silent. All right, now when the imam is silent, what that means is in the salawat sirriya, in the quiet prayers. That's what, that's what he's referring to, right? So in the dhuhr and nasr and the dhuhr and nasr, that's what's being referred to. In, when the imam is silent, so they're recommending in that. And what have I said? I've said that there's another narration which would indicate it's permissible and another narration which would indicate that it's obligatory. So you've got a spectrum of opinions and you get a feel that clearly it, it, is, it is wanting to be uh, more, it's, it's, it, it's pushing towards being more uh, 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 required if the prayer is quiet and it's being pushed away from being required when the prayer is loud and I, I'll just put it out there just for the sake of just getting the names out and whatever Sheikh Uthameen and the Saudi scholars generally um, and I don't mean all of them but you know a few of them they're of that opinion that you have to recite like the Shafi'i position and we covered some of these hadith last week and I want to uh, speak about this in a, I, I want to just look at uh, one or two of these hadith in a minute um, where a Sheikh Al-Albani and in our modern time, even though he's not from the Fuqaha, um, but in his opinion, following the opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah is what would be considered the middle road opinion. Middle road opinion, a lot of scholars follow this. It makes a lot of sense. 
Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, for example, in Saudi, and other senior scholars in Saudi also followed this opinion, which is a common sense one. I just call it the common sense one. It's the middle one. In the quiet prayers, when you can't hear an imam reciting, you recite the Fatiha. And you recite everything else as well because you can't hear the imam. And as for the, and, and you have to, not you, you recite, you have to recite. And as for in the obligatory prayers, because you can hear the imam, and if you are following the imam, then that following of the imam bit by bit, even if you don't actively recite, is like a recital. The recital is for you, you're hearing it, internalizing it, and we have a hadith which would indicate that you're not meant to recite over the imam. That's good enough for me, and that allows us to reconcile. That reconciles the different uh, narrations. Now, it doesn't reconcile every narration. It does, and that's why Sheikh Uthameen, he, he, and I'm going to now just read just from him, all right, and see how he ends this point. So he says, um, on page 174, Fizza was asking about, can the Mu'atamad and the Madhab positions be different? Yes, they can. Uh, how and why? Don't ask me, because that changes from Madhab to Madhab. This, this is Madhab-specific differences on, how, on what they give to terms. Right? So the Hanbali specialists will say that in our uh, madhab, the madhab is when these two imams agree. You know, like this, they have names and identifications, whatever things, which I, I'm not so interested in myself, but it is an art. Right? So the phrases that are used between the different madhabs to, to be something to be called al muftabihi, for example, and al madhab. That, that which we give fatwa by when we're, when we're... So all of these technical terms, this is the madhab, this is the official position, this is the mu'tamad, this is the established position, this is the muftabihi, which can be used to give fatwa. The defining differences between all of these phrases and all these realities differ from madhab to madhab according to the strength of, the number of, and the identity of the different scholars within that madhab. But they can be different. Okay? Uh, anyway, so... Uh, oh, sugar, you know what? I think I got that wrong. I just threw Pete Tong under the bus. It was Tim Westwood, sorry. It was, Pete, it was, Tim, it was Tim Westwood, not, not Pete Tong. No, sorry, sorry, Pete Tong. Sorry, Pete Tong. Although he looks a bit weird as well, to be honest. His web thing's a bit weird, isn't it? It's all gone Pete Tong, isn't it? So, sorry, I just... But Namdim, yeah, right? It's Tim Westwood. Tim Westwood, sorry. Tim Westwood. No, 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 don't check, yeah? Just focus on the dust, yeah? All right. So have to recite means have to recite Surah Fatiha. Yeah, this is a, entirely a discussion around Surah Al-Fatiha. Nothing else. Okay, just Surah Al-Fatiha. All right, now. Um, so you just look what Sheikh uh, Uthameen says at the top of 174. He says that if someone was to say, uh, there's, uh, you know the hadith of La Salat al-Liman lam yaqrab al-Fatiha al-Kitab, hadith Bukhari, hadith Sahih, there's no prayer for the one who does not recite the opening of the book, right? If someone was to say this hadith is general, okay, and and the uh, ayah of وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا When the Qur'an is recited, then listen to it carefully, intently, and be quiet, right? Then the... Uh, that the... Uh, the generality of the hadith has been specified by the uh, ayah. Okay, so Sheikh says that yeah, there's no doubt that the uh, the ayah is covering all the Quran and is co covering the Fatiha uh, uh, as well. And he's saying uh, Sheikh Uthameen carries on. He says wa anil ma'mum ida as for the follower, if the Imam is reciting the 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 Fatiha, then he should be quiet. 
But this general uh, ruling should also be attached with the other general hadith, which says that there is no prayer without the Fatiha. How are we going to combine it, he says. Okay? And that's exactly what he did. After he turned around from Salatul Fajr, and he turned around and he, uh, uh, he, he made a little bit of... Uh, some he got disturbed in the prayer, possibly some mistakes. which means that yeah, you know he's kind of like struggled through it. Might have just lost his direction. You know, we're not sure what kind of mistake it was, but clearly it's the disturbance we spoke about, right? So uh, when they finished, the prayer was finished. Yeah, that perhaps you guys are reciting behind me, behind your imam, and they said absolutely, that's that's true. Then. He said, don't do that except with the mother of the book because there is no prayer except without it being recited therein. This hadith is uh, a hadith which is sahih, narrated by Abu Dawood. Not a hadith of Bukhari or anything like that, but a hadith of Abu Dawood. Sheikh says, this is a clear text. Nasun sarihun. In the issue of the prayer, loud prayer. Because the fajr is a loud prayer. And so he's clearly said to them, don't recite, but do recite the Fatiha. So actually, it is very difficult to argue this hadith. And actually, I think someone last week uh, asked that question, right? They said that, well, how are the Hanafis going to argue against this uh, hadith? How are they going to argue against that there is no prayer except by the Fatiha of the Kitab? And uh, Ahnaf, and I'm just going to pause here, just take a time out from what Sheikh Uthameen says, just to give you an idea of how vast fiqh is. The first thing that they'll say is that Actually, we disagree that there is no prayer without uh, the Fatiha. That this hadith itself is authentic. That just this hadith as a statement, right? Uh, narrated by Bukhari, just w- outside of the story of the Salatul Fajr and so on. And there's absolutely no doubt that the, the hadith is authentic, but it does not indicate that it is a rukan of the prayer, an absolute fard of the prayer. And that's because the Hanafis are very big on the concept of khabar ahad. Khabar Ahad we've spoken about before in the last yani, few years or, or in the early years of logical progression. That's basically understanding that a hadith are divided into different categories. So a hadith is looking at its chains. And the number of chains is what gives a hadith its strength. And a hadith um, is strengthened in a couple of ways. The first is its chain itself, the quality of the chain. When we say it's sahih, when we say it's da'if, Ultimately, this is looking at the individuals in the chain and we are making assessment of the people. Are they reliable? Are they good? Are they honest? And if they're all good, then we say this hadith is uh, uh, authentic. If the hadith itself is not just good and people with memory and whatever, and they're not, they're not dodgy, whatever, but they are imams as well. A hadith with someone like Imam Malik in it, with Abdullah bin Umar in it, with Salim, his uh, servant in there. And you're talking about imams of hadith narrating, like the leaders, then the hadith shines even brighter. So the hadith becomes even stronger. And that's why people study Bukhari and they look at his chains because he spends his own life on those chains, selecting the perfect chains rejecting so many other hundreds and thousands of hadith which are authentic but not as authentic with as perfect a set of chain a set of narrators like what he has um, so that's one angle from how a hadith becomes authentic individually then a hadith starts to take more weight if there are various uh, chains coming off it so different groups of people so it's like it's like if I, if I go out and you're all in here and I go out into the sky, I say, guys, the, the moon's on fire, right? 
and and as me as a statement saying that it's like it, it doesn't matter that i'm trustworthy it's so incredulous that there might be some doubt but if suddenly a, a ping goes off and your sister in pakistan has just mentioned a message look at the moon it's on fire and then your mate in america just pings and says the moon's on fire and we're starting to get chains now so this is a chain of narration that's a chain of narration and the, the, the big thing here is that they're very distant right that like that person's not connected to me in any way so where did they get it from and where did i get it from and where did i get it from the more chains that you have in the more varied locations in the more varied ways is giving strength to the original narration this is called tawatur this is tawatur when it's starting to be narrated in so many different times and places by so many different people that this is impossible to be a lie once you start getting 10 15 of those you know this is fact and that's the end of the story right here's the thing what do we value or what do we uh how can i say um how important yeah how important is it really for something to be mutawatir how important is it right do do we have to have tawatur for everything or is mutawatir an added bonus yani for certain very very special things and the scholars have differed over that now you'll often hear uh when it comes to quran and the ayat of the quran that the ayat of the Quran, each every single one, and I don't just mean in the riwayah of Hafs, which we all recite, but I'm talking in the other riwayat, whether it's Shu'aba or whether it's this or whether it's Warsh or whether whatever it is, okay? Um, that every single ayah from every single qira'ah to the riwayah itself, it must be narrated in a mutawatir fashion. Not good enough for just one companion to bring it and that's it. And it will become then basically equal to the word of God right and so a lot of scholars they put that as a condition for the quran that every ayah must be mutawatir and every ayah which isn't and there is that kind of concept out there that there are different masahif of the particular individuals in which they had an extra one or an extra two verses which was not mutawatir narrated and it becomes clear that either at the worst level it's a fabrication and a lie or a, or, or a slander campaign against a, an individual or it's an easily understood example of, of a, a, a personal ishtihad. Like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, he uh, would sometimes uh, uh, use uh, some ayat as dua. And so it would not be immediately obvious that it's part of the mushaf. Right? And so I want you to know that this mutawatir kind of concept helps a lot when it comes to the Quran. And you need obviously that level of certainty. But we've got to be careful here because in, if we keep talking about mutawatir being this thing that to require certainty, we would then be kind of denigrating the, the non-mutawatir. And that's exactly where the difference is. So the argument goes that if a hadith is not mutawatir, then it's a hadith ahad. It's a singular narration, except that they don't mean singular. They mean so low numbers, it might as well be singular. So if it's narrated once, or once just one version of a hadith not been mentioned anywhere else no other single kind of chain for it then it's called gharib it's like a strange kind of whatever and if it's a couple then it's aziz and then if it's more than a couple then it's mashhur and basically so there are there's a like subsections of a singular hadith a khabar ahad and obviously what they're trying to argue is that if there's only one narration or a few chains of a narration how can you take this to be a very very definitive proof 
And therefore, we're not going to treat it the same as a mutawatir hadith, even if it gets up to eight narrations. And some said nine narrations. And that's when they argued about numbers, right? That after nine or ten, we're into mutawatir kind of territory. But when we're in the fives and the sevens and the three kind of various uh, chains, then we're in the singular type. Now, Ahl-Sunnah, and I don't want to make doubt like the Hanafis are not from Ahl-Sunnah, but certainly the Ahl-Hadith and the majority of scholars. Um, and one of the reasons why, by the way, that the word Ahl-Sunnah is used in this uh, context is because um, quite a few of the people of Bid'ah adopted this uh, opinion, actually. They adopted this approach. And if you think about it, like, I'll give you an example, Hizb tahrir right? Hizb tahrir is obviously a modern creation, just a political kind of Islamic political group or whatever it's called, yeah? And um, it's, uh, I tell you what's interesting about uh, Hizb tahrir is that it's just a political group with an Islamic vibe, of course. And they do their da'wah, they've got their call, established the khilafah, etc., etc. So it should be a political group. However, as a political group, they actually have an ideology. They actually have an ideology, certain yani, key tenets, right? And part of it is that they considered the Khabar Ahad to not be acceptable to establish certain knowledge. They've kind of cherry-picked this, like a number of the groups of the people of Bid'ah throughout history, especially in old days, but then now that's just one example, okay? that they picked up from the differences of the scholars and they use it for their own political purposes. And you know generally that when a, a group or when a people are establishing an identity with such a condition or such a prerequisite that we, as part of our belief, do not accept, then there's normally a benefit in them for it. Right? There's normally something going on. Right? You should always be aware of that in general when you hear these kind of things. I, you remember in Al-Adab Al-Mufrad, back in the day, I spoke about how the, the feminists... And the movement around that, the modernists, is very important for them to try to uh, cast doubt into certain companions, right? And, you, and, and here's the thing, from a hadith point of view, if you're studying hadith, then you'll find that the scholars of hadith have mentioned that this was a questionable incident of Mughir ibn Shu'aba, that this, this is a questionable incident of Abu Huraira, this might have been a mistake, whatever. And it's being done in an academic fashion, not in any way, any moment, casting any aspersion on that person's quality or, or character. Once that discussion is there, people will jump on it. And they'll use it for their own purposes. So in modern times, modernist, feminist, this kind of folks, they jumped onto uh, hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, for example, big enemy of theirs. Because Abdullah ibn Amr has key hadith which indicate the role of a woman or the prohibitions of us of women in certain aspects of life and so if you can conveniently without betraying your agenda push push aside a companion and bring him down then we bring his hadith down and when we bring his hadith down we've got the green light then to establish our own aqidah and you'll find this all through islam and all the groups do this kind of stuff so my point is, is that they took this idea and they made their identity Hizb tahrir on the Khabar Ahad as well. Is there some kind of uh, point to it? Um, I don't think so. The majority of scholars reject it, right? We, uh, 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 the, the idea that a singular statement is not certain knowledge is not what the evidence would indicate. The companions, whenever they heard a narration from another single companion, they took it as certain knowledge. And we have nothing other than that to consider. Right, um, but 
let's not go back into that because it's a big discussion. We've done it before. Uh, all uh, and you'll hear often the classic example of the changing of the qibla. The changing of the qibla is the one which is the most devastating argument against uh, this uh, idea uh, that um, that a single narration is not knowledge. In Bukhari, we have the hadith clearly that the entire jama'ah are praying towards Quds. And then a companion goes past and says, hey, I just prayed with the Prophet And, you know, the Qibla has changed. All of them change. Full in the act of ibadah, in the middle of the prayer, took it as certain fard requirement, and they all turn direction round. And other evidences along the board. But most important, where is the evidence for your statement to bring aspersion onto the companions? So... It's not like it's entirely rejected. There's no doubt that a hadith which is mutawatir is something that people should have even more confidence about. But we shouldn't need to denigrate the others. It's like those who attended Dominion. I was saying that to make someone great, you don't need to make the other one rubbish. You know what I'm trying to say? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does that very, very subtly and very nicely that he will praise uh, Dawood and then he will say, Suleiman is amazing. And we get that Suleiman is better but uh, we didn't uh, uh, see that Dawood got, had to get cussed as a result of it, right? And so, um, ultimately, what's their argument? They said that this hadith of that there's no uh, uh, prayer for the one who does not recite the opening of the book. This is a hadith which is khabar wahid. And a khabar wahid cannot establish obligations. It can only establish wajibat. So it's not like they're miles off. They're not saying that it can only establish a sunnah. They say they, it can only establish wajib. Now you might turn around and say, hold on, wajib is obligation. Well, you're right, it is. Linguistically and in the madhab, madhabs, it is. However, in the Hanafi school, it's not. Hanafi school is unique. And that's why I said, you know, all this issue about intra-madhab issues, you've got to go back to their people. When you don't ask me, they've got like a, loads of specific definitions which are unique to them. So in all of the madhabs, you say wajib. Wajib means obligatory, that's it. Wajib, fard, lazim, all mean the same thing. Right? Whereas in the Hanafi school, they are very, very accurate and they make differentiation between them. And I've covered this before a couple of times and it's been a few years, so it's worth covering again. And that is that the wajib is a level down from obligatory fard, exactly. They'll call it fard or fards. And then it'll be wajib. And then it'll be sunnah mu'akkada or mu'akkada, right? And emphasize sunnah. So it's somewhere between highly recommended and absolutely obligatory so you'll say well, what english word is that well there is no english word and that's why it's called wajib however we understand it by its consequences that's the easiest way to understand it when you can't define something i've said to you guys before in fiqh when you're struggling to define something define what it isn't right and that's useful i, I said to you guys right at the beginning that fiqh is an aqidah and that's a nice way of understanding fiqh, right? I could be saying here, fiqh is the der derived rulings that are blah, blah, blah. Waste some time. Man. Just say, you know what fiqh is? It's not aqidah. And when you say that, you give the impression that aqidah is very serious, very strict, no differences of opinion allowed, straight down the barrel, that's it. Whereas fiqh, more, rex more flexible, different opinions possible, uh, legal interpretation, places of ishtihad, you get that feeling for it. So what were we talking about? Wajib. We're finding it difficult to find an English word for definition of wajib. So we define it the other way around. A wajib is something that if you deny, you are not a kafir. 
But a fard is something which if you deny, you are kafir. They define it by its consequence. And if you understand then this, you realize that what they're doing is that they're basically bringing out, br bringing down the tension on the concept of wajib. They're bringing the tension down. So if a person said, absolutely, I deny this, I don't think this is Islamic. Uh, I don't think this is from Islam, right? Whether a person's saying that because he lost his mind or whether he actually believes that or whether he, because he's a modernist or whatever, someone who denies something which is wajib, like think about someone who says that you don't need to pray uh, 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 no, I can't think of a good. Let me think of a good example. Someone denying something recommended. No, no. Huh? Miswak. Someone denying the miswak. Yeah, someone saying. I don't know. I got to think of a good example here. Someone saying that you can't, you don't. Huh? Say it again. Niqab yeah, niqab, niqab bit different. Some scholars consider it to be obligatory. That's a bit, yeah, we, praying sunnah. But yeah, that's also a bit disingenuous because uh, in general we are obligated to follow the uh, sunnah. Okay, in general we're obligated to follow the sunnah, so they'll argue. The siwak I think is a good example. I think that to say that absolutely, huh, so yeah, siwak is a good example. To say that the siwak or to brush the siwak is not from Islam. That's a good example. Yeah. All right. It's not from Islam. I reject it. The hadith that I, that I see, I, I, I reject it. What's the most a person going to say? They'll say that, do you mean you rejecting the concept of hadith? He'll say, no. I just reject the idea that that yani, act is from thinking the evidences don't suggest it. The evidences do not support it. All right. Whereas if, the, if someone says, I reject hijab, right? I reject Salatul Fajr. What are you on about, bro? Later, right? It's a whole different ballgame, right? So like I said, sometimes uh, uh, it's, it's what, and obviously now, as Fiza has there said, right? That that's why the, the, the uh, Hanafis never upgraded Witter all the way up to Fard. But they, and you realize that this is not just some kalam fadi, and you realize that actually you do need some of this kind of, you know, moves to try to explain things. Like, for example, if you say to a person that witr is sunnah, yeah, which technically it is, that's a disaster, isn't it? Imagine you left it like that. Well, then you know how poor people are with their sunnah, especially new generation, right? Sunnah is like non-existent, right? As long as it's not obligatory, right? Now, we've legally given witr the same category. But it's not, is it? You're not, you're not taught that at home. You're not taught that in any madhab. You're not taught that in any school. You're told how serious it is. But how serious can we make it when we're saying it's still restricted by the definition of sunnah? So the Hanafi said, leave this, leave this to us. Yeah, but, but this is why they made wajib.
a, a very important social argument that if they didn't have what Bob is saying is that if they the Hanafis did not come with this these moves, like for example, yeah, and we exactly yeah. you get what you're saying, right? We just kept it at witr and I uh, kept it at sunnah and an obligation, and therefore that's why the other madhahib struggle to find people to do the sunnah. You get what I'm saying? Now uh, you see those boys. And, uh, you know, they don't mess about. And they saw makru and they saw haram and they realized that packs are taking liberties. So they bring in makru tahrimi. Right? Which is basically like makru and haram kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And by the way, just so that you get it. And again, I have actually covered this a couple of times in LP. Um, uh, makru tahrimi and tanzihi, the two categories of makru come from the same basis, Khabar Ahad. And basically what they said is that if the, the, the hadith is mutawatir, then it's haram to de, uh, uh, deny it and kufr to deny it. But if you were to deny something which is makru tahrimi, then it's not as serious. It's serious, but it's not as serious as going, we're going we're gonna to expel you from Islam. There's like some difference about it. We're going to give a person uh, uh, some excuse. Some, some, yeah. So, that's what's, that's, that, that's what's happening in the background here. So, um, but yeah, the, the social argument is there. The social, sorry, the social proof is there. These are the folks, okay, that made Witter its own category of wajib and scared the, the, the you know, the heebie-jeebies out of everybody else by using the word wajib. And so we all took it super serious. And then until you come to the Yani, the Salafis, and they say, oh, it's only Sunnah, right? They're like, I've been betrayed all my life, Right? No, what your parents did is a good thing, right? They made you really strict upon the witr. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever does not pray the witr, he's not from us. You see, that hadith is sahih, right? How you understand it is a difference of opinion. But they said, that is serious, man. And scholars went all the way and said, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, and, and commands of the Prophet ﷺ, this is in the Arabic a command to, uh, to obligate the person to do witr. And, and, and anyway, my point is, is that um, the social argument can be made. Academically, though, is that the correct thing to do? And that's the problem. And that's when academics and culture, social, and the wider interests clash. And scholars have got to try to be responsible, try to promote that which is, you know, because if you open up the floodgates, then, then... And this can be applied to so many things. Like cryptocurrency is a very good example. I've never had any doubt that cryptocurrency is permissible. As a, or I, should, I should say that cryptocurrency is a currency. The argument at the beginning was that, you know, it's, it's not, it's X, it's Y, Z. For me, obviously from my background, I can see what, you know, what you guys are kind of struggling to understand over cryptocurrency, I'm still struggling to, uh, to, to deal with the electronic money let alone paper money. I see it all as a blag, right? But because maybe people are younger or because people don't go into the economics so much of, of, of finance and understand, they look at a paper and say, that's absolutely legit. What they don't realize is that's a load of bakwas as well. There's no backing behind it. There's some argument that's, yeah, you know, you have to have trust in the system. But then that's the same for crypto. You've got to have trust in the system. And the same as e-money transferred, when you see numbers on your thing, you go up, go down, money goes in, money goes out. You don't know what's happening. You don't I, I actually physically risk. So the ummah has always had big hurdles to, to get over uh, when, when these new monetary forms have been brought in. 
Now, even though it's clearly a currency, we've been highly, you know, warning for folks, don't get involved with it, be careful with it, and everyone's just embraced it. And even if it is halal, it's not what, what, it's not what true industry, true value, true work, true uh, uh, whatever um, should exist as. And the more cautious you are, the less you lose. The, the less you're living a life which is not a realistic, stable life of hard work and, and uh, the whatever. I, need my, I have my own NFTs, by the way. No, I don't. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 only in their school, yeah. wajib, of course, uh, exists. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, there are fuqaha uh, individuals here and there that are sympathetic to the idea that the khabar ahad, knowing the majority, still the absolute minority. But there are scholars here and there that, that are sympathetic to the idea that the Khabar Wahid or Khabar Ahad is a lesser form of knowledge than something which is Mutawatir. There, there is the argument. And like I said, there is something there. Anyway, back to the point. The Hanafi said this hadith is a Khabar Ahad and therefore it can't possibly make it obligatory. And they consider therefore, and that's why in the Hanafi school, the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha in a prayer is from the wajibat of the prayer, not from the arkan. And I want you to know that they use another hadith for that position as well. Those who have studied Fiqh Salah, uh, Al-Hadith of Al-Musi Fi Salatihi, the one who messed up his prayer, right? And if you remember that hadith, he comes in, he prays, Radiallahu anhu, the Prophet ﷺ then says, go back and pray. And he keeps making him go back and he goes, oh, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And the Prophet ﷺ said that when you stand and make takbir, and then when you stand and then recite my tayassara min al-Qur'an, right? Then, uh, then make ruku' and then goes. So he mentions a few things only, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And those few individual things, some, some said six, some said seven, they became the arkan because they basically said in just these few minutes, or in just this one minute, the Prophet ﷺ didn't go into the big details of all the obligations and the X's and the Y's and whatever, but just laid down the most fundamental parts of the prayer. That's the, the and that's certainly the Hanafi argument. And they said, where's the Fatiha? If the Fatiha was so important, where is it? And the others will turn around and say, what do you think yani, recite from the Qur'an is? Right? And they'll say that recite from the Qur'an means anything from the Qur'an. It doesn't mean the entirety of the Fatiha. So I want you to know that not that there is none of these positions that is without evidence. There is all interpretation. It's all X, Y, you know, there's some discussions. Now, let's, uh, now that you know uh, uh, that uh, particular position, what I want to uh, uh, speak to you about is um, a hadith. This hadith, is narrated by Imam Abu Dawood, right? A hadith number 826. And, and it's one of the versions of the hadith that we uh, just spoke about just now, about the prayer of the Salatul Fajr. Prophet ﷺ narrated by Abu Huraira, and there's, and there's controversy over this hadith, I'll, I'll mention it in a second. Um, that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he completed a prayer in which he was reciting out loud. And then he, he turns around, he goes, who was the one who was yatanaza, yani, uh, competing with me, arguing with me with the, with the Qur'an, right? In the prayer right now, not the Qur'an. 
And one of the uh, uh, people said, it was me, yes, Ya Rasulullah. And, um, and the Prophet Sallallahu uh, said, I was saying to myself, what is wrong with me that someone is fighting to rest or to take away the Quran from me? Yani trying to take it away, yani wrestling with me, to, uh, you know, just competing with me. And so the people stopped reciting. So the people stopped reciting with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in prayers in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam recited out loud. After they heard that. Okay? Now, look at this hadith compared to the others. This hadith states that the Prophet Sallallahu is in the prayer. Doesn't mention the prayer, just that it was a loud prayer. Same thing happens. He can hear his voices, turns around, says, who did that? What's going on? And that person said, yeah. And he said, this shouldn't happen. In other words, yeah. And then that stopped. After that moment, no one, no one did that in the loud prayers. Now question, who said, and that stopped? Very good. Salam just put the hadith up there. Uh, just to come down a little bit, let's see the rest of the riwayah. Abu Dawood said that this is narrated by Ibn Uqayma. Ewa, very good. Now I want you to look at this, okay? I want you to look at this. Well, let's have a little discussion about this hadith. Imam Abu Dawood said that this hadith has been narrated by Ibn Uqayma. Alright? This is obviously a hadith of Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira radiallahu an the companion. Right? Um, question for you. Look at that part. When the people heard that from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, they ceased reciting along with him at the prayers in which he recited out loud. Who do you think saying that? Who is it definitely not? The Prophet ﷺ, obviously, right? He doesn't speak about himself like that, yeah? So we can get that off the table. So who is, this, who is the obvious one? Abu Huraira. Who is the most important one? No? Oh, there's a chain, isn't it, yeah? Who is the most important one? Abu Huraira, right? It's obvious that it is, is Abu Huraira. And the one that we're looking for is Abu Huraira because he's the narrator of the hadith and the narrator of the hadith is knowledgeable about his situation more than any other people, right? As we say, The narrator is more aware of the riwayah than anybody else. So his statement will be a very, very powerful statement and it will put the cat amongst the pigeons. It really will, right? Because then what argument can be made? Who's like thinking outside the box? If we take this to be, as Sheikh Al-Albani said, that this hadith is sahih, okay? That this hadith is sahih. And I want you to look at this chain, by the way. This is narrated by Al-Qa'anabi. Al 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 who narrated it from who? Imam Malik ibn Anas. Imam Malik has this hadith in his muwatta. This hadith for Imam Malik, who he narrates himself in his muwatta, is one of the key reasons why he does not recite in the loud prayers. Because of this hadith. So, look at who he took it from. Ibn Shihab. Who is Ibn Shihab? Ibn Shihab? Al-Zuhri. Imam Al-Zuhri. Imam of Al-Tabi'in. Right? One of the greats. An Ibn An Ibn Uqayma. Al-Layfi. Who some scholars, by the way, said is weak. I just want to just throw that out there. But, anyway. On the authority of Abu Huraira. This hadith is sahih. I'm happy with it. But what is the real point of contention? 
the real point of no no let's 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 get not get to the contention let's assume this hadith is authentic as Sheikh al-Bani considers it to be what does it indicate or what could it possibly indicate keeping in mind the hadith that we mentioned of Abu Dawood in which the Prophet sallallahu said that don't recite Fatihatul Kitab don't recite the Quran except by the Fatihatul Kitab or Umul Quran rather sorry I should say mother of the book Okay, alright, that's correct, the Prophet doesn't say anything, but the narrator says it, which is very good for us, so what would the consequence be, or what could a possible argument be developed? Okay, okay, yep, okay. So how do you reconcile between the two? Between the this hadith that doesn't mention the Fatiha, this hadith doesn't tell them to recite Fatiha, and the hadith of Abu Dawood which okay, says this, 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 it yeah, maybe, but that's that's احتمال. Yani that, that that's not the that's not the big issue here. In both, he was disturbed by people reciting. In both, he told them, "Don't disturb me. Don't recite." In both, they stopped. Right. The difference is that in the Fajr one, he said, "But carry on disturb effectively, but carry on disturbing me with the Fatiha because you got to recite Fatiha." That's the big thing. Sheikh Uthameen's entire premise, he's got hardly anything to go with. All the evidence is against him, except that hadith. And that's what was asked. And the whole lesson has been about that statement, by the way. The whole lesson of today is how do we get around this statement? Probably a bit far-fetched, but um, if the hadith, hadith um, on the Fajr was specific to Fajr, because there's no time that's an interesting one. I haven't heard that before, but yeah, it could be it could be argued that yeah, it's specific, but you'd have to bring a real strong argument to specify because specification is a big shout. Something far more obvious, guys. Far more obvious. Far more far more simple. Far, far more simple. If you are trying to argue your case that I'm not going to recite Surah Al-Fatiha in a loud prayer, what's your obvious thing to say? Bring it up, let's see if someone's answered it online. Carry on. Oh, got to give it up. Up, up, up. No, nobody else said it. No. Can't come down. No. Interesting. No, no. We'll come to with that. We'll come to the idraj in a second. I, as I said, don't assume there's any idraj. Just assume this is a statement of Abu Huraira. That's what I said with that. Assume that it is legit. Yeah. What would you say if you had these two hadith? What would you say? The answer is you'd say this is the abrogating hadith. That's not common sense position. You would say that look at who's the narrator, look at the uh, age, look at the kind of reality. That hadith that's there that mentioned it, we can't argue against it. The hadith is authentic, it's there. We can, the only thing that we can determine is that it happened quite early. This hadith where, where is here, it's authentic as well. It doesn't mention the Fatiha. We can't have, if you got these two hadith, if, imagine we didn't know the dates of both of the hadith. Could it be possible for that one to abrogate this one? It doesn't make any sense, right? Whereas this one to abrogate that one, 
would indicate that first you had to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, but now you don't because the Imam can, uh, uh, the Imam's recitation is enough for you. Do, you. do you get what I'm saying? And so now what we've got is the Hanafis making this argument, the Malikis making this argument, a number of scholars, Sheikh Al-Bani himself. He, وسلم, that can be argued that he didn't specifically take away out the thing which he obligated. This is a very good point. In usul, when you have something which has been established, you've got to have an equal strength to remove. Some of the scholars said that. It's not agreed upon, right? But that's a, that, that is a point. And also I want to say in general that abrogation is something that you should really run away from. Abrogation is your absolute last resort when it comes to reconciliation, Right? It's just something that you've got to run from. Um, the problem is, is that without abrogation, we're stuck. Uh, how do we explain away that statement of, but you have to recite the mother of the book? And so that's where the Hanafis are coming from. Now, what are those guys going to say? They're now going to go on the attack, as we had mentioned. They said that this is the Idraj of a Zuhri. What's going on here? This is the addition of Imam Zuhri himself, not from Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira didn't say a single word. The one who said, and then they stopped reciting after the Messenger of Allah in the loud prayers, was a statement three guys down the line, Imam Zuhri, makes sense, he's a teacher, explaining the hadith, going through the commentary, and you know, uh, it's very, it's why I say, and the, uh, if I was saying, for example, the Prophet said, Who's behind me uh, uh, arguing with me in the Quran? And a man said that the Prophet, and then one of, the, one of them said, it was me, Ya Rasulullah. And then the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, oh, well, don't do that. Uh, 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 what's wrong with me? I thought someone was arguing with me. Then they stopped. Right? How do you know what point the hadith stopped and uh, my commentary stopped? That's where the problem is. And then they stopped and they never did it again, kids. They never did it again. Is That's the teacher explaining the obvious point here. So you can't tell very easily. You get what I'm saying? Yeah? I want you to just think about that. So there is a potential argument that it is actually the statement of a Zuhri and not the position of Abu Huraira. So the argument goes back and forth and that should now make you think that this really is a difficult uh, uh, issue. So have the adhan then we'll carry on. Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Hey, yeah, I'm 
Bismillah. So, yeah, the basis for abrogation in this argument here is that they are both authentic, and there is this is the only way that they could see. Um, now, I'm just going to now cover what Sheikh Uthameen says so that we can start wrapping this point up. Um, uh, it, I, I also want to say that we said before that the recitation of the Imam, uh, where was that? Man kana lahu imamun imam lahu And I said to you that, uh, you know, this hadith is mursal, this hadith is considered by Bukhari to be weak. But there are other scholars that consider this to be authentic. Actually, many of the fuqaha took this hadith as authentic. Many of them. From our current scholar, Sheikh Al-Bani used to consider this hadith to be sahih. Uh, Hassan, sorry, for whatever it's worth. But the point is, is that from the early scholars, a number of scholars accepted this, right? And they said that it's supported by the general ideas that the Imam, he's meant to be followed, he is the Imam and everything that he does for you, and the concept that he covers your mistakes. So it's not a massive jump of imagination to think that his recitation when he's reciting for you is covering you, especially when you're following it, right? So uh, the, hadith, the, the argument can get quite more more deep. Anyway, Sheikh says, so we can divide all his opinions into the following. The first statement on the top of 175, Al-Qawl Al-Awwal, is that there is no recitation for the Ma'mum at all, neither quiet, no, no, uh, neither loud. If he was to stand there doing absolutely nothing in the prayer, his prayer is correct. This, of course, is the Hanafi opinion. Sheikh Uthameen says that this is da'if jiddan. This is very, very weak. How can we establish that? The second position is the opposite. You are obligated to recite it in the loud and in the quiet. That's the uh, Shafi'i position. And the third position is that it's obligatory upon the people to recite in the quiet prayers and not in the loud prayers. Because in the loud prayers, if the Imam recites it, then the, the recitation is for everybody. And the, the reason and the, the evidence that the recitation is the recitation for everybody is because the the, the ma'mum yu'ammin ala qira'atihi that he says ameen. Right? So he's listening, he accepts it, he says ameen, and then it is accepted. And uh when he says, and we say, Ameen, if it was not a recitation for him, then it wouldn't be right for him to say, Ameen. What's he saying, Ameen for? So he's taking it as a recitation for himself. He's accepting it as a recitation for himself. And Sheikh Uthameen says, Al Mu'ammin means the one who says, Ameen, who says that to another person's dua, kafa'il dua. The one who says Ameen to a person's dua is like the one who made dua in the first place because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes, uh, 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 says about Musa alayhi salam, وَقَالَ Musa, right, in, 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 in his dua, رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ آتَيْتَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَأَهُ زِينَ وَأَمْوَالَ Okay, that my Lord, you gave Fir'aun wealth 
and splendor في الحياة الدنيا in this world ربنا ليضلوا عن سبيلك only for them to lead the people uh, astray from your, your path ربنا اطمس على أموالهم واشتد على قلوبهم فلا يؤمنوا حتى يروا العذاب الأليم أو الله obliterate their wealth okay and harden their hearts so that they do not believe until they see the painful punishment يعني meaning let them drown more in their desires and delight give them more and more يعني make it like they're so happy that we're on the right path يعني you will look at you what have you lot got right and clearly we're, the, we're on the right path of our atheism or our pantheism or our shirk look how wealth is and the dua of Musa is that you know Allah give them more make their hearts even more hard so that they do not believe until it's too late imagine that so just, yani just think about the implication of that dua what did Allah say in the ayah after it قال, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said قَدْ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَتَكُمَا right that I have responded to both of your dua but it was only Musa who made the dua Kuma is Harun Harun did what? Amin. as the Mufassirin said he said Amin to his brother's dua Musa Allah said I've accepted both of your arguments that's why the person says Amin is part of the game so they said this is an, an, an evidence um, uh, 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 what else can we say? وحين إذن نقول إذن إذا قرأ الإمام الفاتحة وأنت منصت له وأمنت عليه فكأنك فكأنك قارئ لها and so if you say behind the Imam and he recites and you say Amin then it's like you're reciting as well and therefore you don't need to recite the 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 Quran the, the Fatiha in that situation and this is the chosen position of Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah all right this is the Ibn Taymiyyah position. This is also, as I said, one of the narrations from Malik. It's also one of the narrations from Ahmed bin Hanbal as well. It is certainly the class position as well, even though Sheikh Uthaymeen is not having this uh, uh, at all. And as I said, he, on the top, top of 176, he says, and the Hadith of Abu Huraira, it doesn't mention that they should read the uh, Fatiha. Uh, he uses it uh, generally. Um, and, he goes, and he goes, also, they said, yani generally, if you say to uh, how can we tell the guy to recite while the imam is reciting um, and then what's the, what's the meaning of the imam then for the imam to recite and you're telling him to recite well who's he reciting for then right so he's just busy in his world and what's the, what's the whole point right right uh, and the whole point of the recitation of the imam is for us to listen and to follow it, to be affected by it, to, to, to you know. Um, so, anyway. And this is the point. Sheikh Uthameen says, there's absolutely no way that I can deny that this point makes a lot of sense. And if you think about common sense, this argument makes sense that, you know what? You should just listen to the imam's recitation however he goes however it doesn't matter how much sense you want to say in the world what are you going to do with the hadith of Ubad ibn Samit the hadith of Abu Dawood what are you going to do about the hadith where he said that the Prophet then told him around but don't recite Quran when I'm praying but do Fatiha 
how, what are you going to answer? He goes, so we're just going to have to park our common sense to the side and we have to recite. And that is what Sheikh Uthameen's position is. He's stuck to that. And he is never going to leave that position. Okay? وَعَلَى هَذَا He says, فَالْقَوْلُ الرَّاجِحِ فِي هَذِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ The preponderant opinion in this issue is that you must recite the Fatiha every single person in every quiet and loud prayer and it will never uh, 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 be excused except in one scenario and that is when the imam is in ruku'ah and you come to the salah late then you jump into the ruku'ah if there's time to say it and you know then you would still even do it he would say but if you know that there's not a chance then you have to jump into the uh, 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 ruku'ah he goes that even if he's going down into ruku'ah you have to stand and try to say as much as you can before you then jump in late but you can't miss the ruku'ah this is the only exception for the uh, issue I think that's enough for that 177 at the top we'll start our sharh next week um, online guys we're not here inshallah inshallah that lesson will not be from Cheeto inshallah alright but a better place is that allowed to say that of course okay so from Al-Quds next week 8pm UK time inshallah 10pm local ah. Allahu Akbar it isn't the land which makes the people holy. It is Shazad Salim that makes the people holy. Well said, Shazad. Good point. He didn't say that, no? Is that wrong? Yeah? Khalas. All right, guys. Uh, let's have a look here. we got one minute. Yeah, that's it. It's done. Barakallahu feekum. Guys, I'm sorry about... Uh, what if you're late to the premise Fatiha? Then that's okay. That's the one time that it's excused. If you miss the, the, the Fatiha... It is excused. All right, guys. Barakallahu feekum. See you next week. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu alaykum. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.